94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFP in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3.30. Stay tuned next for cover to cover, frame to frame. open book, or as I like to say, frame to frame. My name is Raina Cowan, and I'll be here for the next half hour talking with Polish filmmaker Agnieszka Holland. Uh, Agnieszka is having an event at Pacific Film Archive in Berkeley, which is part of the Berkeley Art Museum, where she is going to be featured from October 25th to the 28th. Let me tell you a little bit about Agnieszka Holland's work, because she has an amazing, distinguished career in film and television, um, both doing Hollywood studio work over the years, as well as doing independent work both in Poland and connected to her work at film school in Prague. You may know her because she had three Academy Award nominations, one for Angry Harvest, one for Europa, Europa, and one for In Darkness. So uh, there's going to be a series of films that are shown at PFA, and uh, she's going to be here for conversation with uh, Karolina Posternik, who is a Warsaw-based film critic, and we had the opportunity to talk to Aniska for the next show to think about her ideas about film. So and Aniska Holland, welcome to KPFA. Hello, hi. Hi. So, you know, I think I first got interested in your films, I think the first one I saw was Angry Harvest in 1985. And uh, that film was remarkable because it started doing something that I don't think had been done in terms of talking about films having to do with the Holocaust. And I'm sure we'll talk about your other kinds of films because they're all not about the Holocaust. But in this particular film... You were interested in not only talking about what was happening externally, but about internal dynamics among people. And I'm wondering, if we look back at many of your films, there is a way where no one is really good. Nobody is really completely evil. Everybody has many different dynamics that are motivating them. And I'm wondering if you would say that that's kind of one of the themes in your work. Yeah, I think that, you know, if I have... If I have some philosophy, this philosophy is that um, the most important fight and battle happens inside of the people, inside of their souls, and that um, we can be good or bad, depending on the circumstances, depending on the um, permission we have from the authorities, from the state, um, from the church, from... Uh, from the society. Mm, and um, what is interesting for me, it's not like exterior um, um, mechanism of the of the history, but how the history influences and manipulates uh, with the destinies of the people. Well, it seems like since you originally grew up in Poland and uh, that your parents, or at least your father, was a political activist and... Uh, was possibly murdered by the state. It seems like you were raised with having to actually confront these issues head on. 
so do you think that there's a way that most filmmakers from Poland would be thinking about these issues, or is it just very personal to you? I think they ha- I have slightly different um, background than um, most of my colleagues, even if they are all interested in the in the political influence on the on the on the society and on the individuals. But my um, identity is more mixed than most of Polish filmmakers. Um, I'm half Polish, half Jewish. My father was Jew, and he was before the war and after believing communist. All his family died in the Holocaust. And um, when he realized that the communism is a big lie, it was, he changed his opinions, but in the same time, he changed his 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 fate, his um, belief that the that the society can be better, that the humanity can be better. So this mixed Nazi and communist experience um, certainly shaped him and caused his early death, but uh, also shaped me. And when I was um, when I was um, uh, seventeen, I went to Prague to study in the film school. And um, during my study, there have been important um, political changes in Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia was a was communist country with the, the Stalinization, which happened quite late. And in '68, the wave of the democratization came from inside of the Communist Party and um, and contaminated all the society. The people suddenly have seen that the freedom is possible. And this belief was crushed very, very early by the Soviet tanks. And um, um, the consequences of this um, Soviet intervention was 20 years long um, period, which was called by the communist normalization. It means that the it was the authoritarian and, and, and very sad period when the, all freedoms have been taken from, from the citizens. And the citizens, after first rebellions, they accepted this because they didn't believe that it's possible to win. Uh, so I was, um, it was for me a crucial experience to see how weak this desire for freedom is and how easy is possible to crush it if the power is um, strong enough. Well, this seems like so relevant, at least in our society today in the U.S., but it, um, one of the film series that you're going to be showing at Pacific Film Archive is entitled Burning Bush, and it's a three-part series uh, that was done uh, in the Czech Republic in 2013. And it seems like you are actually doing a mini-series that is really looking at this particular issue of the 1969 Soviet occupation of Czechoslovakia. Yes, exactly. This miniseries speaks about what I what I was explaining, and which was my, I think, the first very important political and human experience. And um, I am, I had the impression that I'm telling my own story when I was shooting Burning Bush. Uh, I was exactly in the age of the young student who immolated himself to death to protest against, you know, the intervention. Uh, I I was 21 there, he was 21, and it was something which deeply moved me. 
And what moved me even more, it was to see how quickly people forget him. Yes. Um, so it it is it was a great lesson for me. One lesson was that you have to fight for what you believe. And I, I experienced prison also and had the political trial. But uh, also that you cannot <laughs> that you cannot expect too much from the people, too much of courage, uh, too much of endurance, too much of um, generosity. So you know we're we're talking about the political aspects of your film, and I'm speaking with Aniska Holland, who is having a, a retrospective of some of her work this coming weekend at Pacific Film Archive. But there is something that is astounding about the Burning Bush series, for one, which is that it's beautifully shot, that the way that it's edited and put together is exquisite, and that there, the focus on attention to detail and visually telling a story is um, quite impressive. So how did you think about doing that for a three-part series, which I imagine might have been for television initially, but what was it that you, the process that you went through to kind of create the the look, the mise-en-scene of this film? I don't see the difference between television directing for television and directing for cinema in our days. Mm, it, is, it is the same medium, only the distribution means are different, and the eventual scope, the lens, can be different. Um, and um, for I, I, I don't I don't feel the difference when I'm doing miniseries like Burning Bush or the movie like I don't know, Spore or um, or In Darkness. It's only that the miniseries is five years long, five hours long, and and, and the movie is two hours. I see. So the miniseries gives you a freedom that you can tell a story in a in a longer format. But how did some you... stories some stories need longer scope? Yes, the stories with an epical dimension and um, with the development complex development of the events and characters, they need more time to be told. I see. So if we think then about sort of the cinematography look of the Burning Bush, how did you think about that? Uh, when you were beginning to uh, film? What was important for me, uh, for the cinematographer and production designer, <clears throat> is to make something which is very real. I was only one who had the vivid memory of this period. For them, it was more um, to um, pour from the documentaries or movies of the, period, of the time. Mm, but what is important to me when I'm doing any period film, it's to feel that it's not period, that it's not the past, that it's still present, that it has the sensuality and the vivacity of the of the existing reality of, 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 of now. Because what I really want to achieve is to create for the audience the experience to make the evocation of, uh, of, of something, to, to let people believe that they are part of this story and to, in the consequences, to, 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 to create the feeling of the empathy. I see. Well, and, you know, so much, at least I know when I've interviewed Polish filmmakers, uh, that in their history books, they weren't ever taught about things like um, what happened during the Holocaust. Do you think that the Czech 
people had known about this emulation and uh, the resistance that happened as a result? Yes, but they didn't like didn't really talk about it. We did this mini theory, and it was written. The script was written by young Czech writer, script writer, and uh, in, uh, the movie was initiated. The theory was initiated by the young um, uh, Czech uh, producers, and they 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 addressed me because they don't believe that they can find Czech filmmaker who will have the sensibility. Um, close enough to the material and to the events. Because for 25, 26 years after the fall of the communists, no um, Czech filmmaker touched um, this kind of the story with the depth of the, of the tragedy. They've been doing some kind of the comedies or, or little, little, you know, um, satirical pictures, but not really they they were afraid to touch and mention you know the the tragic dimension and human dimension and the destructive dimension of the of the communist experience when we did it and when it was released it was really the the wave of shock you know no um, any of my movies was not received in such a emotional gratefulness and that like this one we're speaking to Aniska Holland, and right now we're talking about her series about Burning Bush. Do you think that there was something about the fact that you were an outsider, that you felt safer making this kind of film? Or do you think that uh, people who were in Czechoslovakia were too afraid to kind of think about the impact and the implications of this story? Maybe. You know, I'm also an outsider. That that is that is probably my point of view. I'm I'm, I'm Jewish and immigrant in Poland. I'm a Polish in the United States or in France. I'm you know I'm I'm Polish in in Czech Republic and Slovakia. In the same time, I know all those countries. I am involved in the life of those, those countries, artistic, cultural, political life, and I feel very close to the people they experience. But I have some kind of the distance which allows me to see it in slightly different way. Right. Uh, there's a way where uh, when you made this film, um, The Burning Bush, you're looking at you know this person who self-emulated and then what happened afterwards. And you said that when uh, people saw the film, that there was so much emotional response in the audience. Can you talk about what kinds of responses you got? You know, I had, it's difficult to describe the show of the emotions, but a lot of people have been sobbing. And not in the moments which are probably the most emotional. They've been sobbing because suddenly they realize the, the weight of the past and how much this past it's still present in their DNA how much it influenced their life and who they are. Yes, that makes sense. We're speaking to Aniska Holland, uh, whose films are showing uh, BAM PFA this coming weekend. You're listening to Frame to Frame, and I'm Raina Cowan. Let's move on and talk about uh, some of your other films uh, that are going to be showing. One of them is a totally different kind of film, A Woman Alone, 
And that's a film that was about a divorced postal worker in solidarity era Poland who begins a love affair with a younger man. And her hope for a new beginning is shattered. And this was your last film that you made before you left Poland. And it was suppressed for years. Um, and I'm wondering if when you made the film, did you feel that there was a chance that it was going to in some way be um, uh, a film that no one was going to be allowed to see? Well, when I was doing this film, and it speaks um, about the woman who is not even divorced. She was never married. She's a single mother, not supported by anyone. And her father was alcoholic. Her mother died when she was young. She's totally abandoned by the society. And she's struggling to, to, to keep her head over the water. Mm, and the society, in the society, and it doesn't matter if it's communist Polish society or if it is um, American society or French society, but we are we are pretty cruel to the weakest, and we are cruel to the weakest women more even than to the weakest men, and um, and she is looking for some meaning in her life, and of course her choices are very unfortunate because no one taught her how to make the right choices. And the society is against um, against her, so it was very very bleak film, and I did it in the moment when solidarity movement in Poland was very important in 1981, and um, it looked that um, that the fighters for the freedom are strong and uh, united. Uh, united. Uh, and I, I, I thought that they are united and they are speaking out about the freedom and social justice, but at the same time, they don't see those who are the poorest and the weakest. And I did this movie somehow to, you know, to remind them that for somebody like my, my, my heroine, uh, no political movement um, uh, is um, not, the, not the help because not, no political movement thinks, uh, thinks about her because she's not, uh, she's not the voter. She, she even doesn't know what to do to express her opinions. I see. So when you made this film, did you, have, did you think that there was going to be an audience who was willing and interested in seeing this film and you didn't think about uh, the government censorship or was it a way that um, you had no idea? And you just had to make the film. When I was doing the film, the censorship um, was very weak. But um, immediately after I finished the film, was the martial law, and um, um, General Jaruzelski imposed, you know, very strict policy on everything, including the censorship. So the movie was banned for um, for eight years till the communists fall apart. Oh, I see. So th this was your last film in Poland, and you had uh, worked previously um, sort of t being trained as a filmmaker through working with Vida and working with Kislausi. And I'm, I'm wondering how you think that uh, working with them impacted the way that your aesthetic took place uh, in terms of the way you do your, your films today. 
my aesthetic was different when I was doing my Polish movies. First, I was very close to reality, and I knew this um, reality in Timothy. Mm, so mm, it was more direct, the style was more direct. And another thing which was crucial for the style, it was that we didn't have the film material, you know, like footage. Oh. When because um, because everything in the communist economy was cheap, because it wasn't real money, but... Um, Kodak was um, to buy only for dollars, and dollars have been very expensive. So um, we've been shooting one to four. For the filmmakers of today, it will be impossible to, uh, to, to, to understand what it means, because they are shooting like one to 30, one to 50, one to 100. It doesn't matter, really, especially with the digitals. Right, you're talking about the ratio of the amount but of film. It meant also that we had to be very economical in the style. Yes. And to edit the movie in our head before it, before shooting it. Mm. Actually, I think it was a great lesson of style. D- did it impact the way that you, you know, sort of edit now? Was Is like it a good strategy to edit in your head first before you make a film? Well, I'm spoiled now, you know, with the richness, so I don't do it with um, such a consequences like before. But when you watch, for example, Pavel Pavlikovsky's films like Cold War, you can think that he did edit in his head. Yes, I see. Well, it's interesting because the other thing that you do is you now direct TV shows. So um, you've directed uh, episodes of The Wire, of The Killing, and of others. Do you... how was it different when you are making a film for either a European on audience who was under communism and making a film for or a TV series that's for a more American audience? What are the things you take into account? You know, my movies or miniseries like Burning Bush are much more personal. It's what I want to tell. And I'm choosing myself the way I'm telling the story. When I am doing um, the series, especially existing series, um, I am the director to hire. It's for me a bit like the stylistic exercise. I have to match the style which is already established, which sometimes is fun and sometimes is a little, little imprisoning. And uh, I'm, I'm not doing a lot of that. I can do one series by year, not more. I think if you are doing too much of that, you are, you are actually losing your handwriting. I see. Well, didn't you a long time ago try to go to Hollywood and make films? I I sort of vaguely remember seeing one. Maybe it was about chess or something. I can't quite remember. Did you make American films for a while? I did several American films. I did Secret Garden, the children's classic. Oh, yes, that's right. Which was a really good movie to make. Mm-hmm. After I did the adaptation of Washington Square. Oh, yes, that's uh, With right. Jennifer Jason Leigh, mm-hmm. which um, will be soon released on DVD, like the luxury version. That, uh, I watched it on this occasion, and it's a really good film um, with great Jennifer. And after I did... Um, there's a contemporary film called Search Miracle with Ed Harris and Anne Hesh. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I did Copying Beethoven, which was European, but, but financed by American producers, but Ludwig van Beethoven and um, 
his copist, young woman, woman composer. So um, I did like four long feature films for for smaller or bigger studios and. And uh, in the moment when I realized that it becomes really difficult to make something more original or more personal uh, in Hollywood, um, and that it's um, that it's easier or it's more exciting to do some series because the material is more ambitious and more innovative, I, I, I decided that the movies I will do rather in Europe and the series in U.S. I see. That, I think that that makes so much sense. Uh, and clearly that there's a way that, I, I don't know, that that personal quality somehow makes the films richer for um, in terms of the vision, like that you can feel yourself in it. It re- makes me want to ask you about In Darkness, which is the other film that's going to be showing uh, at Pacific Film Archive, a very painful film to watch, which is based on a true story that took place in Lwów, Poland, where uh, during the Nazi occupation, uh, somebody who worked in the sewers and had been kind of a petty criminal basically uh, saves many Jews uh, by helping them live in the sewers for 14 months. And uh, the film is dark and intense and hard to watch. I'm wondering what it was like to make and what brought you back to making a film about the Holocaust when you had already made two films many years earlier about the Holocaust. Well, I thought to myself that I will never do it again, but I did. Uh, it was The <clears throat> screenwriter was so insistent and they were sending me new, newer and newer version of the script that after a few years um, it started to haunt me, you know, and I started to see the images and I understood that probably I have to do it. And um, I, 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 I make the condition because the script was written for shooting in English language and I thought that it would be never truthful to me if it would be in English and um, that I will accept to do it if they decide to, if they will accept that it will be in the original languages of the story, which is Polish, German, and uh, Yiddish, and Ukrainian. And um, and they accepted, so I didn't have the choice, and I had to do the film, which was probably the most difficult shooting in my career, full of difficult shootings. But the film, but the film I think, touches some things which have been untold and shows exactly the complexity of this relation between good and bad and between the victims and, you know, and, um, and the saver and how difficult it is to be good and um, how difficult it is to be a victim. Yes. So, um, so the film had quite a big impact in my native Poland, to my surprise. It was a big hit. A lot of people were watching it and very moved by that. Well, so, uh, you know, when I've interviewed actors... And I say, oh, that was such a painful scene. And they're like, well, I was acting. It didn't really impact me in a certain way. But I'm wondering, as a director, how telling a story like this actually impacts you. Because you're having to hold so much of the story, um, as well as the technical pieces, for so long. So what is the impact? Well, you know, I, it's, it, 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 it makes you depressed. Because when I counted... All the years spent with the projects um, uh, connected to Holocaust, it was altogether for six, seven years. So it was, it was like living, you know, this experience for seven years. And what, and what did that do to you? 
But I'm alive and I'm normal, but my vision of the humanity is pretty bleak. I see. So it, so that part stays with you. So if there's a way where you've developed a very complex understanding of the way that people betray each other and strength and weakness and society, which is kind of how we started this interview. Right. Uh, you're going to be here uh, this coming weekend. This The series starts October 25th and runs through the 28th at Pacific Film Archive, and you're going to be in conversation with Carolina Pasternak. We're speaking with Aniska Holland. Uh, the films start with a, and a film that you made that I guess was moved really by the Czech New Wave that is sort of a comedy, uh, which is called Provincial Actors. And then you move along to A Woman Alone, The Three Parts of the Burning Bush, and then In Darkness. And you're going to be in conversation after each of these films. So people in the audience will have a chance to talk to you and get more information. So, um. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. When I was staying in San Francisco, which was when I was editing uh, Secret Garden at Coppola's place, I was visiting quite often uh, Pacific Film Archive, you know, and Berkeley, and it was like magical places for me. So it is, uh, it is a honor and pleasure to, to show my movies there. Oh, wonderful. So Aniska Holland's film series this weekend at Berkeley Art Museum and Pacific Film Archive. It's located at 2120 Oxford Street in Berkeley, and you can call them for more information at 510-642-0808, also for tickets. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you this coming weekend. I want to thank you so much for joining us. This has been Raina Cowan in conversation with Aniska Holland, Polish filmmaker. Thank you for joining us, Aniska. It's been great having you. Thank you very much. Thank you, and I'll be back next month. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3.